This is Peaks Island Radio, a truly local Part 15 AM radio station available on 1700 AM and streaming online at peaksonradio.com. I'm Chris, the founder of the station. We strive to include many different voices on air with a wide variety of shows, ranging from locally produced and themed music shows to recordings of local musicians on the island. In this episode, I'm talking with Ethan Satiawan and Louise Behan of the Corner House Band. They're a folksy, rootsy, eclectic trad band formed in their days at Berklee College of Music in Boston. They're now based in southern Maine. Louise and Ethan, along with fellow bandmates Ethan Hawkins and Casey Murray, are performing as part of the Long Winter's Night Concert Series, April 8th at 7 p.m. at the New Bracket Church. They'll be playing a diverse set of Celtic, bluegrass, old-timey-inspired music, along with tunes from their upcoming album, How Beautiful It's Been, available for pre-order on Bandcamp. Check the links in the show page for more information about that. In this interview, you'll hear what brought these four musicians together, what to expect at the concert on Peaks, and how a new generation of musicians is finding creative ways to fund their art without a corporate label. First of all, thanks for coming out to Peaks. I know that this interview is, um, you know, a few days ahead of your your visit to the island, and I think that people are going to be really excited to hear your music, and I think the first thing that most people would like to know is if you could tell us what you think about um, your band and your style. Yeah, uh, the big question. Um, <laughs> we're we're really excited to come out to Peaks. We're excited to play. Um, thanks to Ellen and Simone for having us out there. Um, thanks to Chris for having us on this show here. Um, yeah, it's kind of a blend of bluegrass and Celtic and some of these newer um, sort of Americana songwriting styles um, all kind of wrapped up in the package of sort of the American string band and um, presented to you that way. That's great. So that is definitely, um, I would say, if not pop music, a definitely like a, a, a popular type of traditional music right now. And I wonder, have, have you been lifelong fans of this music or is this something that came to you um, through, through school or, or perhaps a, a chance meeting of the four of you? Yeah, I, mean, I think like we've probably we've all been into different styles of like folk and traditional music and fiddle music um, since forever. <laughs> but we all kind of came from different backgrounds. I grew up in Scotland um, playing mostly Scottish music and then discovered Bruce Molsky and Dara Langer and <laughs> decided to come and study at Berkeley. And that's where I kind of really got into old time and a little bit of bluegrass and other styles as well. I guess um, Casey grew up in New York State and kind of immersed in the contradance world. Um, and that's kind of always been her first love. And so she and I, I guess, probably had the most in common in terms of um, fiddle styles with uh, a little bit of Celtic and Cape Breton and French Canadian and old time and all those kind of things that come together for contradance music. And then um, Ethan Hawkins grew up down in Virginia, kind of just surrounded by a lot of bluegrass and old time. And then Ethan, I don't know if you want to say what. <laughs> yeah, um, I so. guess when I started playing the mandolin, the first thing that I started, uh, you know, going to jams for and Learning tunes was uh, the old time, you know, fiddle style, um, which kind of led to bluegrass and jazz. So I think that kind of our our common instrumental background, our, our lowest common denominator as far as the music that we play is old time, old time fiddle music. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of branching out from there is where where we end up. Mm -hmm. 
it seems to me that people who are really into this music for one reason or another find an individual that um, is really important to their to their development, either somebody that they embrace the style and, and work on their own to try to emulate that style or like, oh man, you know, so-and-so is at Berkeley and I've got to be there because that, that's where this thing that I care about is happening. Um, was there a moment like that for either of you? Um, yeah, I mean, there's just such a beautiful scene in Boston. Um, and that kind of, when I was, you know, leaving high school and looking for sort of the next step in, uh, you know, a career in music, it seemed like going out East, going to Boston was the, was the step. And so that was really what drew me out to Boston. Um, I mean, a bunch of great individuals, of course, and then just, you know, the conglomerate scene, just so many amazing people kind of gathered in one spot makes for a really vibrant, um, you know, a lot of cross-pollination, cross-talk between mm -hmm. different genres, different people, uh, all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, it's a real melting pot in Boston for sure. I think for me it was it was not necessarily one individual, but I mean many people that inspired me, but I remember growing up going to the Orkney Folk Festival. I grew up in Orkney, which is also an island. I'm an islander <laughs> and <laughs> right in the north of Scotland. Um, we have a great festival that happens in May every year. I just remember like being really young and sitting in um, the last concert, the farewell concert was usually all of the visiting artists would play for like 10 minutes or maybe five. <laughs> and so you kind of got to see everyone that had played over the weekend. And I just always had this like butterflies in my stomach feeling of this is what I want. I want to be up there playing music and so inspired by everything I was hearing. Um, and then, yeah, I spent almost a decade in Glasgow playing music and doing photography and studying and then I decided after visiting California and going to Alistair Fraser's Scottish fiddle camp and hearing a lot of um, bluegrass and old time and everything else as well as Scottish music there and meeting a whole bunch of cool people and a lot of them based in Boston that was what made me then decide to check out Berkeley and ended up in Boston and just yeah it is just such a massive melting pot and it's there's so much so many great folks around to be inspired by um not just those that are teaching at Berkeley but you know all the other people that you're playing with and meeting as well so it was definitely a good move <laughs> <laughs> that's great Am I, I I don't know if this is um just my ignorance, but when I hear people talk about coming out east or coming to Boston for this type of music, you know, old time music or Americana, that strikes me as as funny. Is there something funny about that to you too, or or am I missing something? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so. It's kind of a funny place to go to learn about, you know, traditional music. Let's see, yeah, let's all go to a big city and learn about traditional music there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Like the the whole idea of putting um folk music kind of in the broader sense you know music that's uh passed down through oral traditions rather than um being learned off a page like classical music is it's kind of a funny idea just putting that into a school uh mm -hmm. you know a formal environment but you know there are places like berkeley and nec and um a couple other schools in the boston area that um you can go to kind of look at these styles and try to learn, try to absorb, um, you know, what really makes, makes this, this genre, this style tick. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I guess just because of the city thing, you know, people all move there and then there's, 
they've just becomes it becomes a scene and it becomes its own you know its own community and its own sort of um you know sort of the the next wave of creating this kind of folk music this oral tradition um not that you know i mean people do play old-time music and bluegrass music in boston but kind of through the cross-pollination and you know working on all this different stuff with a lot of other people around you you're kind of creating a new style of folk music that's none of the styles that we've mentioned so far Mm -hmm. that's you know the boston folk music (laughs) so to speak yeah, tell me a little bit about that, especially for for the Corner House band. You you rattled off a number of different types of music that inspired and sort of um, gave birth to to your sound. So how does that work for you as a group? This cross pollination. Yeah, um, let's see here. Uh, so we all write tunes. We all write music. I mean, Ethan Hawkins, the guitar player, uh, writes songs more than tunes, although he does also write tunes, um, and. Personally, I kind of think of composition and writing as just a great way to kind of really synthesize um, different musical styles. You're kind of taking these influences, these sounds, these ideas that you listen to and study, and your brain turns them over and flips them around and spells them backwards <laughs> and comes out with with something different, with your own take on these these musics your own take on the music but you know blended together in a slightly different fashion to everybody else mm-hmm. and everybody in the band writes tunes um so we have already four different beautiful unique perspectives on celtic old-time bluegrass styles um and then you know that's just the composition we haven't even talked about you know, somebody writes a tune and then comes into the band and we sit down and play through it and figure out how to best, you know, present it to full emotional effect um, and and give it to an audience in a pleasing and palatable manner. <laughs> yeah. Does yeah, so, I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, you did. Yeah. Um, okay. So does it sound, or it sounds to me like your group sort of writes first and then comes together and, and starts to figure out how it's going to sound. Is, is that right? And, and do you ever sort of do the opposite where you sit around and sort of picket things and then a song blossoms from that? Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've definitely tried that approach before. Um, and often um, Ethan and Ethan will get together and work on songs together um, over a couple glasses of whiskey. And, uh, <laughs> and that's definitely been how have a few of them have come to be. Um, but yeah, generally for the most part, I think it's, we seem to tend to work best that way when we all kind of come with things that we're excited about that we've written or um, yeah, and just like work at the arrangement together on that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, we've, we've been also talking about what we want to do next in terms of uh, what we want to write and maybe record and that kind of thing and um, talking about kind of getting together and trying to write some music that might be suitable for like documentary films or that kind of thing. Um, We've we've talked about writing um, music inspired by, I don't know, nature and things like that for for documentaries. Um, And so I I think maybe for something like that, our approach might be a little different, just coming with like a seed of an idea rather than here's a tune that I've written or a song that I've written. Um, And we we did have a 
I go at that in the fall and had a lot of fun working up some some things just from small seeds of an idea sort of thing. So it's definitely something that we're looking forward to doing some more of at some point, maybe later this year. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. So um, I also understand that you just released an EP in the fall as well. Is that right? When did we release that? Maybe Last like... spring, really. Spring, um, okay. The EP yeah. came out. Um, and we had a couple of singles come out through the fall. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was great. We played several shows last fall um, and, and over the summer, last last summer, last mm-hmm. July and June, um, which was really great, of course, you know, to get yeah. back out <laughs> on the road after after a year, year or so of not being of, of not being on the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it was nice. Really wonderful. That is great. So are you, are you planning on sharing some of that music when you're out here on the island, some of the more recent stuff, or or what is yeah. your repertoire going to be? I probably will play some of that. And we've got a new record coming out uh, May 27th mm-hmm. this year. So that's kind of, that's we'll be playing a bunch of music from that as well um, and be taking pre-orders for that and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's a very exciting thing for us. We've, we've just kind of announced it um, this month, April. And we're excited to be playing shows in April, shows in May, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, bringing this record out into the world. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. So how does it feel to be um, sort, of, sort of doing that again? Are, are there any things that because of this past year of a, of a pause you've been more intentional about than maybe when you first started? Anything that you've changed up with both touring and releases? I guess we've realized how little any of us really enjoy the booking side of things. <laughs> we've been on the hunt for a booking agent, so if anyone's listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just been kind of like a slow getting back into to kind of thing for us. We you know, dipped our toe last year a little bit in the summer and then fall. Um, and then, yeah, we've, we really, over the pandemic, kind of concentrated more on, on writing and recording. And we, you know, put together... Um, the EP that we made um, in the first summer of the pandemic, however, feels like so long ago now, um, Caribou Party, which we'd kind of tunes that we'd sort of written throughout lockdown down and then got together in the summer. So we put that out and then we put out a couple of singles uh, last year as well. Now then went and recorded this record uh, last spring. And so that's kind of been the main focus for a little while. So it's now, it's exciting to now get back to going out and playing gigs. And, um, but it's also, it's kind of challenging in a way as well. I think having, you know, lost momentum in terms of getting out and playing shows and things for a couple of years, it's hard to jump back on that. And people are definitely, you know, folks have kind of been on different, um, different paths in terms of getting back out and seeing gigs and things when um in these strange times that we're in and navigating now and so it's been a challenge for sure to try and um get back to keeping on top of those emails and Ethan has been doing a great job of doing that (laughs) and trying to get us some things booked so we're we're working on filling some uh, dates for the rest of this year and getting out there and trying to just sort of think of when we're going to return to the West Coast again, for example, and uh, hopefully back to Scotland at some point. We actually, um, right at the very start of this, being a band before Casey even joined, um, the three of us have 
gone uh, to Scotland and I set up a tour out there that we had a really fun time doing. So I'm just, I'm like chomping at the bit to <laughs> organize <laughs> another tour to Scotland as soon as we can do that again. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're just excited to be out there and playing sh shows in front of real audiences again. It's really nice. <laughs> so yeah, we're very excited. And we're excited to come to, to, to Peaks Island for the first time. We've never been, so it's going to be really nice to go. Uh, meet everybody out there and play some music. <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah. We're we're definitely looking forward to it. I think you'll find a very um, warm and welcoming audience too. <laughs> very excited. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about touring overseas. So, I have um, loved being able to watch international bands here in the United States, and I wonder what kind of reception you get when you when you do tour internationally. Um, obviously, for for you, Louise, it's like a, it's like going home. But for yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for Ethan and, and the others, what is it like to be sort of the foreign one someplace else bringing your music there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love going over there. We only we only have um, gone to Scotland once mm -hmm. uh, several years ago now, um, but it was great. I we were stoked to go back whenever the time is right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's such a pleasure to go over to Europe. I, I love going to Europe just because everything there's such a sense of history and place to locations in Europe, even much, much more so I would say than um, places in the U S just because stuff's been around for a whole lot longer than, than over here, you know, at least as far as Western civilization goes, um, there's just all this old stuff that's really beautiful and has, you know, there's a story behind every, um, you know, stone that got placed anywhere. We also, when we went, we we did spend a fair bit of time in Orkney. I managed to set up some shows out on the smaller islands where there's these tiny communities of, you know, a couple hundred folks sort of thing. And so we had some really fun times out there. Um, and I really enjoyed being in the majority for a change and so um <laughs> enjoyed some some uh the tables turning for for ethan hawkins because he does like to tease me on the way that i pronounce things and say things <laughs> so i had some fun times where where he was the one getting ripped into for <laughs> all his sayings instead of me i had people on my side <laughs> yeah we had a really good time and we we managed to just go and see some really beautiful corners of Scotland um, and it was really nice so I'm just I can't wait for to be able to book some more gigs and go back there and uh, yeah take the whole band with Casey this time. <laughs> That's great. We kind of touched a little bit on it but mostly from the the musical angle about um, you know what it was like for you guys coming together but do you want to tell folks on the island a little bit about your origin story um, as a group where did you meet and and how did you come to be the Cornhouse Band? Yeah, we met in Boston. Uh, all of us spent some time at Berkeley College of Music uh, at one point, one time or another, over the you know the years between 2015 and 2019, maybe 2020. Uh, you know, somewhere in there, that five six year range. Um, uh, the band kind of started in this big house um, that a lot of musicians have lived in and still live in in Brighton aptly named the Brighton House. Um, it's kind of what the band is named after, I guess. It's on the corner, yes. Uh -huh. um, but myself and Louise and Ethan Hawkins were all living there. And the first time we played together was um, this tune that is actually on the new record, uh, finally got tracked. Um, but this it's this tune that Louise wrote for her brother, 
um, for his birthday and it was his birthday and <laughs> she had to create some kind of <laughs> event I'm a terrible to mark sister. the occasion. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I forgot it was his 21st birthday. <laughs> we were the event. We were. Yeah, I dragged all my housemates. I made banana cake to persuade them all to play with me. And then we recorded a little video and sent it to him. So, yes, <laughs> that was the first thing. And then I think it was mostly, <laughs> it was kind of because... Um, it, it, Fresh Grass Festival every year Berkeley will take the American Roots program at Berkeley will take a group of musicians to showcase at um, Fresh Grass Festival and I really fancied going <laughs> I was like will you come and play this this cricket tune that I made you learn <laughs> um, and so from there I think we kind of yeah we, we I mean I think we first kind of bonded over the the common ground as Ethan said before was kind of old time was where we had all had the most common ground and that's where it kind of started from and then I started making them learn all these <laughs> Scottish tunes and Irish tunes and they tried to make me learn bluegrass <laughs> um and so yeah I, I started life just in the kitchen in the Brighton house I guess and then we went to Scotland because at that point um as a, a foreigner as a student you can't really um do any gigs unless they're through the university so fresh grass was like the only thing I could do <laughs> um, and so instead I made these guys come to Scotland and we did some gigs there because it's a little easier to get visa for playing in Scotland um, and then while we were in Scotland actually Ethan was playing some cello which mm -hmm. was your first instrument I guess way back when that's true yeah mm -hmm. um, and so switching out between cello and mandolin and we decided would it be cool if we actually had a cello player as well as a mandolin player um, and you know decided pretty much on the plane back <laughs> that we wanted to ask Casey to join the band and conveniently she was just actually a block or two away <laughs> where she lived at the time and so yeah we were within the vicinity and so um yeah she said yes and then we added a fourth member that was us and then from there we just kind of worked on new music and, and kind of developing our sound I guess over the last few, bunch of years just to reach the point where we're at today and yeah I think it's starting to feel like we we gel really well and the sound feels like it's our thing it's <laughs> we've kind of reached a point that feels really good um and so it was a good time to record this first full-length album that we're bringing out uh in May so I think I didn't realize that it was the first full-length album so I had seen mm -hmm. um on on your website that you had several other releases but I guess um, they were yeah. all EPs or singles. They were all shorter yeah, EPs yeah. and singles. Yeah, so this is the first full length. That, and we we really went all out with this one as well. And we did a, a big Kickstarter. So we're really grateful to all the folks that helped us make this happen because we've uh, we've put a lot into it. And it's the first time that we've gone into a studio. Um, all the other EPs, actually, Ethan's engineered them and various mm -hmm. places and bedrooms full of blankets on the walls. <laughs> Yep. Uh, last, you know, two summers ago in the cabin on a farm in Pennsylvania, we recorded Caribou Party. So we went to a studio down in the Hudson Valley um, with Eli Cruz, who's an excellent engineer um, at Spillway Sounds. And we had um, Maeve Gilchrist produce the album, which is also the first time for us working with a producer. Um, and she's an excellent, excellent Scottish harp player and just a real musical genius. And so she had loads of great ideas and kind of coaxed ideas out of us as well. So it was really great to work with her. Um, yeah, we're working with 
um, a PR team this time around as well, which is really exciting to have somebody on board to kind of help us uh, get this out there and get some radio play and some reviews and things like that and drum up some press. So we're really excited to to have had the budget this time around to like really make something that we, you know, showcased us the best that it possibly could. And we're just so excited for everyone to get it in their hands and in their ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. So one of the things that strikes me, and I, I noticed this on your website too, that you talked about really being, um, you know, of your generation as far as the music goes and, you know, cross-pollination, I think is, is what you were getting at there. But as you described the making of this album too, and sort of being able to do the DIY for those other albums and engineer your own stuff and, and sort of be scrappy about the way that you do, you know, blankets on the walls, which I love because mm -hmm. that's what my radio studio is like. <laughs> um, it works <laughs> exactly yeah. um it, it's just cool that you're able to get crowdfunding to be able to mm -hmm. to head to a professional studio um do you think that that's something that you'll sort of look to as a model you know in the future too or or where do you want to go with that i think it's a really good way to um involve the community in in your in your musical um project your your musical kind of world i guess um as as labels you know change and change with the times um we're not on a label everything we've done is self-released um you know basically we're asking our community to act to act as our label mm -hmm. um and and fund this and and really you know get behind it which you know obviously like we said we really really appreciate all of this um yeah, I think that crowdfunding is a really great way to kind of involve the community in, in your thing, in whatever it is, you know, Kickstarter, you go on any of these Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe platforms, um, and you see musical projects, you see, you see games being made, you see, I don't know what else, you see knives, you Movies, see... Movies, art. Yeah, you see all kinds <laughs> of things. inventions. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just a really great way for, mm -hmm. for somebody with an idea with a good idea, you know, to really be able to bring it to fruition without yeah. having to, you know, involve corporate backers or labels or, you know, whatever your industry's version of a label is. I think it also means that those who are um, backing it and involved in it feel like a part of it as well because they are they're they're going to be the ones that hear first what you're up to, you, you know, you're updating your your backers to tell them how what progress you're making on it and everything and they're the first to hear and it's kind of like you know it's being part of a, a club or something in a way it's just you know you know they're yeah community is a better word i think um and it's as far as like uh, promoting and telling people about it it's a good way because people are aware that you're making something maybe before you've even started making it um and so it's just kind of helps to you know instead of just quietly going into the studio and then be like oh look we made an album we've got a little bit longer to be like this is what we're trying to do we're hoping to fund it and are you willing to help us kind of thing and 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 then even if folks can't help out with uh you know, funding it, they can share it and tell people about it. And it's just a good way of getting the word out there, I guess, as well. Um, but yeah, it seems to be a good model. And so many people are funding albums that way these days. Um, and especially as it's kind of difficult to make any money with um, 
selling your music really it's just mm-hmm. with you know people don't um you know people stream and you just don't you stream music you don't really make any money from it <laughs> so uh it's hard to fund it and i think people don't realize quite how much it costs sometimes to make a record and so um if you're straight up from from the get-go like this is what it's going to cost us to go into the studio and make this people are like you know realizing that it costs a lot of money to create that music and they want to hear it and so you know if they have money to spare then they'll help you to make it happen so i think it's a good model and definitely these days when labels aren't really forking out for making records anyway <laughs> right so, yeah yeah i love yeah. i love the ethos and i love the the freedom that it sounds like it affords you as well to be yeah. able to, to to make your music the way that you want to That's one of the things that um i'm interested in is you were talking about streaming and, and talking about it being hard to make money streaming as um essentially your own independent label um mm-hmm. or just frankly you know producing it on your own how do you manage um, royalties from something like streaming? Are you are you able to make any money from that at all? Or since you're releasing yourself, is it sort of, you know, something that you're not able to recoup any money from? Actually, um, yeah, I, we don't we we don't have a huge presence on streaming services. We actually resisted being on them until <laughs> last fall. Um, so we haven't, as a band, we've been around for a lot longer than we've been available on streaming services, period. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of the way that the royalties are set up, there's it's split into the performance royalty and then the songwriting royalty, basically. Um, the, the songwriting royalty, you know, being that the person who wrote the song gets some amount of money from each stream. And the performance royalty being that the people who created the, um, the file, the song that's being played, receive some amount of money from the from the um, from the stream, um, which actually, and then that you know that gets split many different ways between your publishing company and your label, and um, you know all these institutions take a little piece out of the pie, and by doing it all independently, basically it all comes back to us at some point. Mm. So if we were to really kind of push our streaming. Um, and get more people involved in, in listening to our Spotify, our Apple Music, that kind of thing. Um, there's potential to do better, you know, to do pretty well actually on that. Um, that's you know, you've got to put in the work and and get people involved in your in your online in your Spotify page and stuff like that. Okay, but well, um, playlists maybe is one of the things I think. Yeah, there's all kinds of you know the there's all kinds of interesting ways that Spotify plays with musicians. I mean, a lot of, um, we don't have to get super deep into it, but a lot of the big labels actually, um, you know, own a lot of, have a big, you know, financial stake in this company, Spotify. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if you're on a big label like, um, Universal or Sony or something like that, you know, it's actually a little skewed towards people who are on, you know, bigger labels. But yeah, there are ways we don't have to get into the <laughs> intricacies of the, yeah. the streaming industry. But um, yes, independent artists can absolutely um, make something happen on streaming services. It takes a little bit of legwork, but it's mm-hmm. it's very possible. That's good. That's good to hear because um, when I found out that you were coming out to the island, the first thing I did was try to find you on Apple Music. <laughs> and that's yeah, how totally. I, yeah, that's how I first heard um, your music. I think it was... Um, mm-hmm. Caribou, Caribou party, Caribou yeah. party. Thank you. Yeah, 
Maybe. That was the first thing yeah. that I'd clicked on, both because it sounded fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and it was great. But I think for me, that's like, because I guess um, I'm like an older millennial. And for me, that is sort of like the gateway to buying an album. Like I'll discover mm -hmm. an artist mm -hmm. and then I'll, I'll want to purchase an album um, on mm -hmm. top of it. Is that something that you've been seeing since you've started streaming to the people are sort of discovering you and then still wanting to buy um, yeah, it's hard to know for sure if that's what's happening, but people still do buy our, our records. We, we we use um we we sell a lot on uh, through Bandcamp, which has been great throughout mm -hmm. the pandemic with their Bandcamp Fridays where they um waive their fees and so artists get the full amount, which has been great. So people have really kind of rallied and supported um through Bandcamp, especially on those Bandcamp Fridays. So we've definitely noticed that um folks have been like supporting and yeah and even like with i guess like this the cd is uh going out of fashion <laughs> fast but i feel like in the kind of folk trad fiddle world is kind of one of the last ones to cling on to that people still buy cds and mm -hmm. and it's great and i i personally really like to <laughs> buy the cd and have all the notes in it and yes. look at the cover i i don't know why I, i'm so old-fashioned that way <laughs> um and yeah and i tend i tend to i don't really stream other than just just to go and be like oh i want to hear what this band sounds like and then and decide mm -hmm. if I want to buy the album. I tend to just buy CDs or downloads <laughs> myself. But yeah, we we definitely we've sold a, a bunch of CDs, and you know, and do, through doing our Kickstarter, we've probably got a couple hundred CDs to sign this weekend and ready to send to our Kickstarter backers. <laughs> so people are still after the CD, which is very nice. <laughs> I hope that continues. Um, we'd love to print vinyl at some point, but that's uh, it's a, a big upfront cost to to print vinyl it's really expensive to to do so it's something that we'll have to do a few gigs and save for <laughs> right yeah yeah we live in one of the few musical industries that actually do buy cds still mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. but <laughs> i mean i think that a lot of people like you chris and and this is how i use streaming services as well mm -hmm. is you know you go on you hear something on whatever streaming service your you your platform is whatever you subscribe to um and and basically, I just go and, you know, I buy something on Bandcamp if I want to support the artist or, you know, I, su I support a bunch of my friends' Kickstarters. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, throwing 20 bucks, 30 bucks here and there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't really, I don't really have any need for the CD, but mm -hmm. I'll go listen on streaming services once it's done. And, and then, you know, I've, I've kind of paid for, paid in advance, I guess, for my streams. Right. It's kind of how I think mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, I guess streaming is like a convenient way of just like everything is there at your fingertips. And if you do have the money and want to support somebody and just go and like pay for a download or buy merch, I guess, like T-shirts and things like that is great. And people do people do do that, I think. Um, yeah, especially yeah, those who really want to support the arts and really understand what it takes to create something and put it out in the world. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have quite an artist community out here, um, some musical and then also some in more like visual arts and that sort of thing too. And I think right. you'll find a very receptive audience out here for um, yeah. wanting to have that that tangible mm -hmm. piece of art. So I hope that you're <laughs> you're bringing CDs and, and do you yeah. have any oh, merch yeah, that you'll so be bringing to? Do you have like t-shirts or anything? We have work? some t-shirts, yeah. I, and during the pandemic, I got into um, 
I've I've always been into art and photography and studied that in Glasgow in Scotland originally. Um, and so I decided while we weren't doing any gigs that it would be fun to try out some new art mediums. And so I got into lino printing and block print printing and uh, then also screen printing. So I made us some some CDs with the Caribou Party art, which I created as well. So yeah, we'll be bringing those out. We got stickers and tote bags and fun things like that. Fabulous. That's great. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want folks to know out here before your arrival? Yeah, I think we're just really excited to come. And to, I'm excited to be on an island again. Yeah. <laughs> the islander in me is very excited to get on a ferry and come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're very excited to be be out there. Um, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, hopefully right. we'll have some nice weather. So <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll enjoy yeah. the day there. Yeah, yeah, I, know, I will say it is. It's a very nice venue, um, rain or shine. But it, it would be really nice to have some good weather for the for the ferry trip across the bay, and then yes, <laughs> totally. yeah. that would be lovely. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Great. Yeah. Well, we're very happy to have you. It was lovely chatting with both of you. Thanks for having us on. You as well, Chris. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening in on this conversation. I hope you'll be able to make it to the Corner House band performance at New Bracket Church on April eighth at seven p.m. If you'd like more information about the band or to find links to their website and store, visit peaksalonradio.com slash cornerhouseband or check the show notes in your podcast player. To stay up to date with all things Peaks Island Radio, follow along in your podcast app, sign up for our newsletter at peaksalonradio.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Peaks Island Radio.